Beautiful. Hi, everybody. This is Debbie Dashinger from Dare to Dream Podcast. And thank you so much for joining me, for joining us today. Um, isn't every day an auspicious day, really? So this is no different. And I'm super glad to be here with you. I am a visibility media shaman. And what I do out in the world is the inside outside job. Specifically, I coach you to write a page turner book. If you've written a book, I have a company that takes your book to a guaranteed international bestseller. And if you're ready to rock and roll out there in podcast land and be interviewed so people can find your business and your message, I run the Ultimate Visibility Formula where I teach you how to get interviewed on radio and podcasts and get results. So my deal is a visibility hub, and I'll tell you later on about a few things I'm rolling out, just kind of in celebration of you and to show up as service today, uh, which is there's a book writing membership. So if you'd like to write the damn book and in six months you want something to show for yourself, go to debbie-shinger.com slash visible visionaries. And if you would like and or to write a chapter in a dog anthology, I have put together a... It's entitled The Ultimate Anthology Book for Dog Lovers. And you got to understand it's not ultimate, it's ultimate, M-U-T-T. Ha! <laughs> so I think we've sold already seven chapters. I've put this at a wholesale price point and the package is huge what you get. You'll definitely want to go there to check it out, free video and more. And if you want to, you do register. So you make sure you get your chapter at debbyd.net. It's D-E-B-B-I-D.net slash anthology. This show has been nominated for Two People's Choice Podcast Awards for the Webby Awards. Uh, we are worldwide. We're ranked uh, number 100 and under, depending what day, for Apple Podcasts in self-improvement and also in global reach. And in many countries, we're under the top 10. This show is sponsored by Dr. Dane here and Access Consciousness, we love them. And they do beautiful energy work out into the world. So if that's something you want to experience or if you want to become a facilitator that's available to you, it's Dr. Dane, D-A-I-N, here, H-E-E-R.com or accessconsciousness.com. My question to you is, do you want to know how to thrive, achieve at a high level, and be truly happy by making decisions and taking actions driven by visions and values rather than the stress and pressure we're faced with right now? My guest today is Robert McPhee. He's the founder of Excellent Decisions. He's a leadership coach and a consultant. He's the former director of training for Jack Canfield and also a founding member of TLC, Transformational Leadership Council. He's a co-founder co of the Southern California Association of Transformational Leaders and the author of the Manifesting for Non-Gurus book. You can find out more about Robert at excellentdecisions.com. And I welcome Robert to... Oh. The Dare to Dream show. So good to have you. It's good to be here. Wow, you are busy. You got some stuff going on there. Yeah, I really wanted to contribute. I actually started the dog anthology previous to this, but now more than ever. I can't think of a more joy-filled um, possibility, right, to put out in the mm. world and uh, to thank our canines for all they've done for us during this time and in our lives. 
Yeah, I have someone to connect you with on that who uh, probably would be desperate to do a chapter for the book, so. I'd be desperate to have them. That would be beautiful. Thank you. Any friend of yours is a friend of mine. So, oh my God, we've known of each other for so many years. I feel like he's here. He's here. <laughs> so let's start with this beautiful title, Excellent Decisions. And there are some people who have a lot of trouble making a decision. So why were you inspired to launch Excellent Decisions? Well, the inspiration really came from two things. One is I was working with young people and seeing all the stress and pressure that they were faced with in their lives, mostly at the like high school and college age. And I do that kind of work whenever I possibly can, because as a parent, I'm super passionate about helping young people. And again, I saw that, that there was so much stress and pressure. And I saw my own children who were getting ready to go to college or, or in college and doing really well. And I kind of looked back and said, well, what is it about what they're doing that's different? And first of all, I realized I had an unfair advantage as a parent because I, like you said, I used to be the director of training for Jack Canfield's organization. And I was working with Jack while my kids were growing up. So that was very much an unfair advantage. Most fathers don't get to have that. And, and it really made a big difference because my children grew up understanding fundamental principles about things like taking personal responsibility and having a vision and knowing what their values are and leadership and asking for help and all those kinds of things. And I saw that they were thinking in a certain way and taking actions in a certain way that were really creating great results for them. They were doing well and accomplishing things, but they were also really happy and, and, and just having a great experience of life. And what I realized about the decisions piece was that it was the decisions that were the bridge between the inner work, the, the thoughts and the beliefs and the habits and the outer expression, you know, getting into action and creating results in the world. And, and if people were either hesitating to make decisions or were making decisions based on stress and pressure, and you know, in today's world, we have so much stress and pressure, um, then things weren't going so well. For them, and, and it, I realized also it wasn't just young people; it was it was leaders, and it was organizations. It was really everywhere. So that's what got me to focus in on the idea of the decisions that we make and how important they are, and how easy and wonderful life can be if we're really clear about our vision and our values and our value, and that's what's driving our decisions, rather than the the media and the environments around us and the people around us uh, that constantly seem to have a, an idea of what they'd like to have us do or what they think we should do or have to do or those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you had mentioned working with Jack and then going forward that you had this unfair disadvantage and that you acquired and probably saw models some really beautiful habits. So what is it that you use on a daily, weekly, monthly, however that manifests basis that allows you to run such a successful business? What kind of tenants do you put in place that really show up for you? Well, the hardest one is practicing what I preach, right? <laughs> it would be so great when we're doing this kind of work to just be able to tell other people what to do. But truthfully, I find that when things are not going well for me, either personally or professionally, I can go back to my own work. I can go back to the framework that I've put together around this excellent decisions approach. I can look at what's my own vision? You know, am I really coming from a place of clarity about my own vision? Am I really staying connected to my own values? Are my actions uh, in alignment with my vision and values? Um, in, the, in the professional realm, am I staying clear about my value? 
You know, so many people want to create more income and more success in their life, but they have real doubts about their own value. And the truth is, it's always going to be more difficult. It's going to be like dragging an anchor to try and create more and better results if we're not really clear about our value. Mm-hmm. So in terms of my own process, I mean, I, I have a process that I take people through that starts with awareness and understanding what change is really all about, how it works, uh, why do we experience resistance even when we're pursuing something that we know is good for us. And then it goes into clarity, which is clarity about the vision and the values and the value that I already mentioned. The third step is about letting go of attachments, you know, getting out of our own way. And then finally taking action. And the truth is, if things aren't working for me or if things aren't working for my clients, I can pretty much always find that there's a breakdown in one of those areas. And the truth is, I've been doing this work for more than 20 years and I haven't got it all figured out. You know, it's still a learning process. It's one of the things I admired most about Jack Canfield when I was working with him. As much as he's accomplished, you know, most people know him from Chicken Soup for the Soul, where they've sold 600 million books at this point. But if he was here, you know, if we were in a workshop, he'd be sitting in the front row. If you were speaking or if I was speaking, he'd have his notepad ready. He'd want to be learning. You know, he was a lifelong learner. And, and I believe that's absolutely the way to go through life is not to be the one who's trying to convince everyone you've got it all figured out, but continue to learn and grow because it truly is a process. Yeah, it is a process. And of all the tenants that you just mentioned, the one that stuck out to me was the one about values. And you mentioned that some people may not understand their worth. And you know, that comes to my mind, Robert, because right now more than ever, I worry that people will undermine or get really confused about their value. When you're living at a time, and I understand this is a a generalization, but it is not a gross generalization where a lot of the feedback is, I don't have money. I I don't know what to do. I I can't do that. I'm even working out payments with people, you know, because I want things to work for people so they can still move ahead. But there's a concern for me that I have on a global level for people who, you know, may get it in their head. I'm not worth being paid that. I'll never be paid that again. I don't know how to generate money. How do you work with that? How do you help people around that? Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of uncertainty around that right now. And it's interesting because uncertainty is one of the words we're hearing a lot, as if somehow there was all this certainty before. And and the truth is, as we look ahead, there's always uncertainty. I think the uncertainty is much more obvious. It's impossible to ignore at this point. And, and the work that we do with, with connecting into value, and I appreciate you bringing up that, up that distinction because there is something very different about values, which is what is important to us and how we want to show up in the world and value, which is what we deliver to the marketplace or what we bring to a relationship. Um, and, and the truth is most people do underestimate their value. And we get into fear and we get into worry about this, this whole, you know, not enough kind of idea. And I love being in conversations to dive deeply with people. I was actually just recently doing some work with veterans who are transitioning into the workplace and getting them to look at, although they're coming from one environment called the military and going into a different environment called, you know, the workplace, the normal, if you will, workplace, um, they were they were so often getting caught up in what they hadn't done. You know, I've never worked in an environment like that. I've never worked for a company like that. And there's something about the mind that seems to go to what's missing. 
You know, uh, Jack used to do an exercise where he says, you know, if I told you the numbers two, four, six, eight, and 10, which numbers are missing? And people go, oh, one, three, five, seven, and nine. He said, no, nothing's missing. I just told you there were these numbers, two, <laughs> four, six, eight, and 10. There's nothing missing. There's just these numbers that are here. But the, the mind somehow seems to be wired to notice what's missing. And I'm sure it's to keep us safe and to protect us on some level. Um, but the truth is we can just as easily look for what's there. Mm -hmm. And for these people in the military, for instance, they, they bring a level of discipline and work ethic that just isn't present in much of the work, work world. So they, they come to the marketplace with something um, that's really, really valuable. Uh, but sometimes they don't see it unless it's pointed out to them. So asking yourself that question, like, what, what is the real value that I bring? What are the skills that I bring? What can I do that is unique to me? Uh, what is the approach that I bring that's unique to me? And, and really get connected in. I think it was probably the biggest turning point ever in my business uh, was partially around the time that I rebranded to this concept of excellent decisions. But I think at the same time, I really got grounded into the value of my work. And even more than the rebranding, I believe that was probably the single biggest impact on the business success that I've seen over the last couple of years. Mm. And it's interesting because when you talk about uh, things actually always probably were in flux, but we're living in that state, you know, uncertainty really is very much up unprecedented times. And one of the things also that comes up when there is that kind of flux is comfort zones. Mm -hmm. A lot of us were in a comfort zone, and I know that's something you talk about. So talk about comfort zones and uncomfortable zones, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, I love to get into this conversation with people because for many people, it's a fresh start opportunity. So many people, I mean, we've all, I think, heard the expression comfort zone. Someone has told us you need to get out of your comfort zone or you need to expand your comfort zone. And it sounds great. And mostly people don't argue with that. But the truth is, if you ask people, what is a comfort zone, you'll get kind of a confused look because most people, like no one's ever told them what it is. Like, what is a comfort zone? They just told them they need to get out of it. And then we wonder why it's so hard, right? Like, you know, here, play this game, but I'm not going to tell you the rules. And in my work, we define a comfort zone as when the results that are showing up in our lives match our beliefs about who we are then we're in a comfort zone. So if, if I'm getting a result called $100,000 a year in income and my current self-image is that I'm a person who earns $100,000 a year, then I'm going to be in a comfort zone. It would actually be better to, to label it as a familiarity zone because sometimes people are in comfort zones that are very unpleasant. Like they're not happy. They're not really feeling good there. You know, they might be overweight, they might be in a bad relationship, they might not be earning the kind of money they want to earn, whatever it is. But they're comfortable in the sense that their self image, the beliefs that they've adopted about who they really are, and what they deserve are matching the results that are showing up. So if they try to make a change with losing weight, or earning more money or getting into a better relationship, they actually get very uncomfortable. And generally, they go back to doing what they were doing before. And again, most people have never had this dynamic explained to them. So the fresh start comes with that awareness called, oh, okay, I understand why. You know, I understand why January 1st every year I join the gym. <laughs> and then, you know, I go to the gym and I start exercising. I start feeling better. I start looking better. And then somewhere around February 1st to February 15th, it all goes away. Well, why is that? 
And I believe a huge part of it for many, many people is that they never change their self-image. They're going to the gym, but they're holding on to that image of somebody who's overweight and out of shape and doesn't like to exercise or, or whatever's going on there. And at some point, they're drawn back to the actions that lead to a behavior and a result that will match that self-image. And it's almost like the whole body like has a sigh of relief, like, oh, okay, now I'm comfortable again. Back. Yeah, yeah. But the beauty of it is that if, if we get people to start with the self-image and, 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 and literally create a new self-image, which we can do, we can use things like affirmation and visualization, meditation, tools like this we can use to change our self-image which the first thing that happens is we get uncomfortable again, right? You know, you say, well, that person who has a self-image of overweight and out of shape and I don't like, like to exercise and we coach them to look in the mirror and say, I am healthy and fit. And a little voice in their head says, you are not, you're not healthy. And look at yourself, you're 20 pounds overweight. You've never been able to get in shape, blah, blah, blah. And again, people go back to doing what they've always been doing. But if they hold on to that, if they get support and accountability and, and they really anchor in and, and connect to how important it is to them, then they start getting ideas for what to do. You know, I could join the gym. I could start eating better. I could go for a walk, whatever. It's not hard. You know, exercise, nutrition, it's not that hard, right? Move more, eat less. And, and so they get ideas for what to do. The decision component comes in again where they have to make a decision to actually do something. And when they take those actions in the world of health, you know, if you eat better and if you move more, you will lose weight. You will get in better shape. You will feel better. And the beauty of it is if you started with that self-image declaration of I am healthy and fit and work your way through that process of changing your thinking, making different decisions, taking different actions, eventually you will create results that match your new self-image. And then you've literally created a new comfort zone. And in the work that we do, we believe that's the key to creating lasting results because we all know people who go out and they lose the weight or they quit smoking or they, you know, get into a different relationship, but eventually their behavior just somehow cycles back to what they've done before. But if we start with a new self-image, take the time and go through the cycle to create the new results that match that, that new self-image, then we have a new comfort zone and much less resistance to, you know, going back to where we were before. I appreciate that because there's um, something called a set point, much mm -hmm. like a thermostat in the home. So if you set your thermostat on 65 degrees and it's on auto, it will find a way, whether it goes, the temperature in the home goes up or down, to come back to stasis, right? Exactly. And I know they use that in weight loss um, partially because they say once you lose the weight, it's very important to stay there for a while. You don't want to just lose it and then let it go. If you stay there for a while, the body will create its own set point and say, no, this is home. Yes. You get to go out and have cookies and ice cream. Right. I actually think that's like, <clears throat> there is the new image you're talking about and that creates forward, right? It helps the person step into whatever that piece is. And then there's the piece once you get there that I feel like is the maintenance piece that is on um, and I'm not, I'm not sure how to achieve that. Maybe you can weigh in. But once the maintenance piece, whether it's weight, whether it's love, whether it's money, that we have a new set point that is going to say, no, 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 we're not, we're not turning on the AC all of a sudden. We're right. staying right here. This is us going forward. This or something even better. Right. So can you weigh in on that? 
Well, I think you bring up, first of all, a really good point that there's a very real and in, in all of these conversations, even in you know, relationships, health, money, career, anything, there's both physiological components where we really feel this in our body. You know, we, we, this discomfort, this being out of our comfort zone is not just something in our mind. There's a very real physiological component to it. And the other thing is that it does take time, not only, like you said, to get there, but to stay there. And, and the, the work with getting really clear about our vision and our values and what's really important to us, and, and if health is really important to us, to really get anchored into that and, and build a really solid foundation, not just, oh, you know, my wife thinks I should lose some weight, so I'm going to join the gym. That's not enough. It's not enough of an inspiration mm-hmm. to get us to arrive at the destination we want and, like you said, stay there for a long enough period of time that we get used to it. Yeah. And, and it, it does take time. And, you know, I hear people talking about, oh, I have a, a formula to help you get rid of your limiting beliefs. I call BS, you know, because I, in my experience, they don't ever completely go away. Mm. But the truth is we can master them and we can stop letting them be in charge. So that part of me that may have once thought, you know, I'm overweight and out of shape and I don't like to exercise. I'll never get in shape. I don't think it ever goes away. You know, if, if I'm in the whatever, the frozen food section, I go buy the ice cream and I go, oh, (laughs) you know, I remember that. Um, But if I'm really anchored into that belief of being a healthy, fit person, there's going to be a mismatch. I mean, I tell a story in my workshops where, you know, you can have someone who has that belief about being overweight and out of shape and they're driving down the freeway and they're super hungry and they see what we always see, which is the golden arches, right? And, and I asked my, my audience, well, is that person who has that self-image of overweight and out of shape, are they going to go through the drive-up window at McDonald's? And of course they are. You know, they're hungry. They're not in that great of shape anyway. They get their food. They're fine. But if we change nothing else except the same image, if we have another person driving down the freeway, they're also really hungry, their stomach's growling, but they have a self-image of a healthy, fit person. In fact, they're like an athlete. They're a competitive athlete, right? are they going to go through the drive-up window at McDonald's? And everyone will say, no, of course not. We'll say, well, what else, are, what else are they going to do? So Debbie, what would be an example of like for that athlete, for that healthy fit person, that person who's like really committed to wellness and health, if they don't go to McDonald's and they're really hungry, what else would they do? Wow. I can tell you because I may not be an you- athlete, but that would be me. <laughs> yeah. I, I would never go I'm sorry, but I would never go to the Golden Arches, period, uh, or any fast food place. But I always have my eye out. I mean, I think there's so much abundance right now. There's health food stores. Mm-hmm. There are supplement stores that sell little you know, protein bars and uh, drinks. All grocery stores today have a myriad of items that would supplement very well and be really you know, beautiful for the body and nurturing. So yep. that would be my go-to. Exactly. And that's because, and and again, you demonstrated it beautifully. You have developed a self-image of of a healthy person. Like that's who you are. And you said it yourself, like McDonald's, are you crazy? Like, no, I just, that behavior called drive up window doesn't match your belief about who you are. So, and again, it's the exact opposite of most, you know, they call it the standard American diet, sad, right? Where, you know, so many people, that's just what they do. It's, it's just who they are and what they do. It's not even conscious. They're not aware of this whole conversation that you and I are having about what's driving the behavior. 
But in that little scenario, I didn't change anything. Same freeway, same hungry person. The only thing that changed was the person's self-image. And yet the behavior, the response, again, is it's the grocery store. It's the health food store. Maybe it's just Subway sandwich instead of of McDonald's. It's at least a step in the right direction. You know, some of these, you know, I call them the Tupperware people. Some of these people have, you know, in their glove box or they have an ice chest or whatever. They prepare. And the reason they do it is because it's important to them. It goes back to the values piece. You know, it's, it's, it's what's important to them. They don't just say their health is important to them. They're, it's so important to them that their behavior, their actions are, are driven by that value. I know, I know this person you're speaking of. There's so <laughs> I have done so many workshops, whether I'm on stage or also in the audience. I know this guy. He's a bodybuilder. I've known him for years. And he comes into every room wheeling his dolly. Yeah. It, it's a whole ice chest full of his shakes and his thises and his thats and his powders. And I mean, look, the guy looks like the bomb. You know, he looks yeah. beautiful. And everything he's doing for himself, it shows uh, and yeah, really, that is such great discipline. And I'm sure where somebody might think, oh, you know, who would go to all that trouble? To him, he can't imagine doing anything otherwise. Like, yeah, and it's not that it's not that you and I are telling anyone else that that they should do that. It's just pointing out, you know, if we did some values exploration with him, yeah. health and wellness would come up very high. I mean, if he's at that level. Because our behaviors, what we do, how we show up in the world, again, the decisions we make and the actions we take tells us what our, what our values are, what our self-image is, who is we so. really are. Yes. You know, we can talk about our family being really important, but if you know, I'm working all the time and never seeing my kids, what's really important to me? You know, it's, you know, it, it, the, the actions and the behavior really tell us. And this is such a good example because contrast can actually create values. That, mm -hmm. I'm just realizing this right now because this particular guy actually didn't used to do this at all. And he almost had a near-death experience, you know, really devastating car accident where he was almost not here, long, long, long rehab. But whatever happened to him in the hospital, he, that was it. He's like, I'm never going back to that guy again. Yep. And he never did. And, and one of the things when we first started this conversation, I talked about, you know, you asked me about comfort zones and I said, ooh, I want to talk about comfort zones because for many people, it's a fresh start. So for someone who's not at that point where they're going to end up in the hospital with a heart attack or, you know, they've been smoking and, you know, they're going to have lung cancer or whatever, let's get into this conversation sooner. Let's, let's look at this whole dynamic of your self-image and, and how that's ultimately driving the way you think the decisions you make and the actions you take and, and how is that working for you? And, and if it's not working, let's go all the way back to the self-image. Let's start there and let's give you a fresh start because for most people, no one explained this whole model to them. Meanwhile, we have advertisers and we have media that are fully aware of this model and how it works. And if they can give us enough imagery and music and fancy advertisements and all these things that somehow make us want to think in a way and make decisions in a way and take actions that we will buy all this terrible food and drink, you know, whatever it is, soda and smoke cigarettes and all the, it's all the terrible options that are out there that are not good for us, that are not creating the kind of life that we want to live in. Um, but all those external influences are using this exact model to plant imagery in our mind that gets us to think a certain way and make certain decisions and take actions that are good for them and their bottom line 
but not necessarily good for us. And the fresh start is to say, let's stop letting the external influences run the show. Mm. Let's, let's stop watching an advertisement and say, ooh, I want to, you know, another one of those sodas or whatever it is. And let's start letting our own self-image, our vision, our values, the way our, we really want our life to be, mm. run the show. That's the fresh start. I love that. It's like your future self pulling you forward. Yeah. It's very hopeful. Yeah. I understand that you have a simple technique. You have some kind of an approach that anybody can use that will get them unstuck and actually create some lasting results. If that's so, would you mind sharing that approach with us? Well, the, the process that we've been talking about uh, with, with this awareness piece has a lot to do with the lasting results, getting, getting clear about this dynamic, about what a comfort zone is, and that if we keep trying to create new results without changing our self-image, our results will never last. Because our own beliefs about who we are at some point, it's like an autopilot where you know you can turn the wheel and hold it hold it tight but if it's set on autopilot as soon as you let go of the wheel as soon as you're you know whatever on vacation or whatever the circumstances of the situation is you get sick or whatever as soon as you let your let go of your grip of the wheel it's just going to go right back to where it was so that's a huge part of the piece about getting lasting results and again if there's kind of a formula to follow um, it's that awareness to clarity, to letting go of attachments, to taking action is, is really the formula that we follow in our work. And it starts with increasing awareness about how change works and, and the importance of taking personal responsibility. Because without taking personal responsibility, this is all just a really interesting conversation that will never make a difference. Mm -hmm. Because we have to take responsibility for those results and experiences that we're having in our life. And if we want it to be different, again, it has to start with that face we see in the mirror every morning. That's where the change is really going to begin. And then the clarity piece we've touched on several times here, you know, the vision and the values and the value, how can you possibly expect your, your real vision, your real values, your real value to drive your decisions and your actions, unless you take the time to get clear on what those are. And that's again, a process. That's an ongoing thing. I mean, I've been doing this work for 20 years. I, my kids, like I talk about vision and values and value and they're like, Oh my God, dad, enough with the vision and the values and the value. <laughs> but they live this stuff more than anybody I think I ever know because, because they grew up around it. Um, but it all comes back to that. And, and when we get the clarity and we don't have to, you know, the whole idea you talked about my book, my book was called manifesting for non gurus. And, um, the idea was you don't need to go to India. You don't need to live in a cave and somehow become enlightened to have these principles work for you. We're all manifesting. We're all creating results, you know, every single day and, and a little bit of awareness and a little bit of clarity. And then the letting go of attachments piece is getting out of our own way. You know, stop trying to figure out all the how stop thinking, you know, I need to do it. I have to do it. You know, let, let go of those kinds of things. And, and all the opinions that get in the way, all the worry about what other people will think or, or the judgments that I have about myself and my own capacity, if we can learn how to set those things aside, then we're taking action and, and engaging in the world in a completely different way. And then that's where life starts to get really interesting, really fun. It's where results and experiences that we want to be having start happening more quickly and more easily. And, and again, as you said, they last. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we could create these results and, and not have to hold on to that steering wheel and, and hold, the, hold it, fight the autopilot the whole time, but just change the autopilot, change the course of where we really want to go. 
Beautiful. I know so many people want to change the course right now. And, and this is actually a really great time to make choices like that. Mm-hmm. So when we come out of this and moving forward, those choices are ready in place and will be our future self will be bringing us forward. We're going to take a very quick break here and we come back. We will be talking to Robert about uh, how some people live simultaneously in desire and resistance and maybe a difficult choice that Robert had to make to fulfill his destiny. So stand for your greatness. That's really what I'm all about right now. This is an amazing time right now. And if you're even feeling bored and cool, because there's a lot of people who are experiencing that. I'm not, I don't feel bored, but I get it. There are a lot of people bored out of the gourds right now. And they're looking just to channel their creativity. So you can take action. You can join the Visibility Hub membership. And that's where I show you how to write a page turner book, because what you do now is what you're going to have to show for yourself in six months. And now is really the time to harness that power inside of you. And you have a message. I know you have a story to tell, and it's time for you to write and publish your book. Let me take you there. This is what I know for somebody who works in the book industry. There are more people reading books right now than ever before. Capitalize on it. Let your inspiration to put one out in the world be made manifest. So join me and learn the entire system as I take you from inception to finished book. I will coach you live and you will get your book done. You can go to debbie-dashinger.com slash visible visionaries. It's D-E-B-B-I-D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R.com slash visible visionaries. And we're back with more with Robert McPhee, and we are speaking about Excellent Decisions or ExcellentDecisions.com is where you can find him. So Robert, uh, let's start with a personal question first. What is the most difficult choice thus far that you've had to make to fulfill your destiny? Well, I'm so glad you planted that seed a little bit before you went to a little break there. You gave me a chance to think about it a little bit. That's That's a great question. Um, and I kind of, I did like a little, little life scan there, but I tell you the one thing that came up for me more than anything else, when I first graduated from college and I started a little, little company as a summer job, we started a valet parking company in San Diego. And it was, like I said, just a summer job and it worked out great. You know, our friends, you know, were hanging out by the beach and parking cars and making cash and it was awesome. Right. And then like, like in about seven years, we had grown this company where we had 400 employees and we were all over Southern California and we were, we were very successful for a couple of college kids that really had no idea what we were doing. But we had a really good idea at a really good time and we were delivering a lot of value. Again, going back to that concept of value. So it was going really well for us. And um, at the same time, we were facing some issues with needing to create a culture so I was the one who stepped in and, and took on the responsibility, mostly because no one else wanted to, to create a culture, to start really training our people and educating our people about how to function well within our business. And I just love that. Hmm. Um, and what I was faced with as far as a decision was whether to do more of that kind of work, the teaching and the training kind of work, which was a risk for me. It was an unknown. It was, you talk about uncertainty, like we talked about before. I had, you know, what does that look like? Can I make money doing that? You know, how does that work? I really didn't know um, versus the certainty of what I had at that time, which was a company that had grown to a point where I was making really good money 
And it was, it was also a really great question. You know, you're at a cocktail party and someone says, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, well, when I graduated from college, I started this little company. Now I got 400 employees or making millions of dollars. You know, it's all, it's a great story. Right. And, and that's really like alluring. Like, like I didn't want to let that go, but I also felt really called. Like when we talk about vision and values and, and a sense of being on purpose, you know, people sometimes ask me like, where's purpose? You talk about vision and values and value. Where's purpose in all this? And, and my answer to that is if you have a vision that's in alignment with your values, then you're on purpose. And it's a good way to check. Like if, if you have a vision, you should always make sure that that vision is alignment with your values. Because if your vision is just to make more money, it's not very compelling. It's not really in alignment with your values until you figure out what you're going to do with the money. But, but I had this calling in a way to do this teaching and training work um, in a way that I almost didn't understand. Um, but the decision that I ultimately made was to step away from the business and, and to do more of this teaching and training work. And, and I ended, that's where I ended up connecting with Jack Canfield and working with Jack for a period of time and then going out and, and working on my, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What that, and that wasn't an overnight thing, just so you, you know. park his car or something? <laughs> no, no. I actually, when I was a director of training and I was, you know, I was up on stage with Jack and I was co-facilitating and helping him create content and, you know, introducing him and facilitating in the room and people would come to our trainings and say, oh, I want your job. I want, I want to do what you're, what you're doing. How do I do that? And I say, well, here's how it works. You, first of all, you go to Jack's training, which I did in the summer of like 1999 or something like that. I went to his training. And then the next summer I went again because there was so much content. There was so much value there. I, I wanted to do it again. And then my wife went the following year. And then the year after that, I volunteered to help the training. And then eventually I got asked to run the volunteer team. And then, you know, year, 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 you know seven, eight years later, I was the director of training for Jack's organization. And people would look at me like, oh, I, I don't want to do all that work. I don't want, I don't want to, I just want your job. It looks like so much fun. But all of those things, they take a while. You know, that summer job didn't turn into an entrepreneurial multi-million dollar company in, in a summer. It, it took like seven years for that to happen. And, and the same thing with leaning into the training. I mean, I was just making it up as I went along and trying to figure it out. Going to Jack's training was part of trying to figure it out. And, you know, it ended up being kind of a, a detour, if you will, until I went out on my own. Um, but that ult ultimately, that decision was the one that really came to mind that was really pivotal for me. And it would have been really easy. And I could, you know, still be running a parking company to this day and probably making a lot of money and, and being successful in that way. But I don't, believe that I would have the sense of fulfillment that I have with the work that I'm doing because the work that I do now is a hundred percent clear to me that it, it, it does have that sense of, of purpose that, that I have a vision of making a contribution and helping people understand these concepts that we're talking about today and giving people the kind of fresh start that we talked about and the tools and resources that they need in order to take full advantage of that fresh start. That gives me a sense of purpose and meaning um, that, that uh, I don't know if it ever could have come from, from parking cars in, in quite the same way. And are you still a member of TLC? Um, I am technically still a member, um, but that, that other group that you mentioned, I actually co-founded with two other members of TLC. I co-founded a group in Southern California called the Southern California Association of Transformational Leaders. And it's the same thing. It's a group of speakers and authors and trainers and thought leaders. Amazing, amazing people. Um, 
and and I get so you know, nourished. About this, I didn't even know that existed. Well, it actually emerged because TLC, and, and if people don't know, TLC is a group that Jack Canfield actually started uh, in 2004. I think it was he called a group of about 30 of his peers together at his home to just say, you know, I want to be more connected to you people. You know, we're all out there doing this work. We're not connected. We're not supporting each other. You know, we're all the Lone Ranger out there. What can we do to help each other? And that turned into the Transformational Leadership Council and, and grew really quickly to a group of several hundred people. And they didn't want it to be any bigger. There was a lot of people who wanted to be part of it. But, you know, if you have a group of several thousand people, it's a very different dynamic. You don't have the same level of connection and community that you do when it's a couple hundred people. So then regional groups started popping up. There was a group in the Midwest. There was a group on the East Coast. And uh, Scott Cody and Terry Tillman and myself started the Southern California group, which is just now coming up on its 10-year anniversary. Wow. And it's turned out to be just a remarkable group of people. Um, the people who volunteer to, to keep it going and the community. I mean, it's just, we have two meetings a year for, for a long weekend. And I just get so much nourishment and, and connection um, from being with those people and, and again realizing because most of my work I do on my own you know I'm out I'm speaking I'm training I'm teaching and however that's happening mostly it's me and when I get together with that group uh, we had a meeting <laughs> actually right before the whole coronavirus thing really blew up we had a, an ATL meeting and there was 80 or 90 people there I just felt so nourished mm. being with that group of people I know half of them, or if not more. Yeah, yeah. My friends are in there, and I love that. And I'm so aligned. This I, this show is called the Number One Transformation Conversation, and that's why 13 years later, started out in radio. I still show up because of this yeah. conversation. Yeah, it's still and, so important to me. Yeah, and transformation is a really powerful word for change in my mind, and and I believe that as human beings, we all desire change. We all it's just human nature. There's nothing wrong with it. it. We just, we want more of things. We want to, we want to learn. We want to grow. We want to be better. And and that's just natural. But the, the other side of it that some people don't understand, I call it the change paradox is that just as much as we desire change, we also resist change. You know, it goes back to that same dynamic we were talking about earlier, you know, and, and as much as people want change and want to grow and want to be better and do more, people get stuck. You know, they just don't understand how the process works and, and what they can do to make it easier and faster. And again, not only create the results they want, but make those results last. And I just, that's the soup I love to swim in is to just be in those conversations and help people again, create the awareness, the clarity, uh, get out of their own way and, and start taking action from a completely different place. Because if people are taking action because somebody else thinks they should do it or because, you know, they have to do it or, you know, they think making more money will make them happy, you know, it's just like going through the process dragging an anchor. It's all more difficult and it takes longer. And even if you do get where you want to go, sometimes the results don't last. So there's a better way. There's a better way. Well, you know, this would be a good question for December for a year in review kind of question. But <laughs> I love this question because I myself see what you think. I myself have seen that many years hold a theme for me and is sort of something in there niggling like, yeah, it's time for you to address this in your life or learn this or really, you know, incorporate this somehow. Is there something thus far, Robert, that has been the important thing? 
that you are learning, have needed to learn, have needed to focus on? Well, we touched on it earlier, actually, for me, and I just reached over while you're asking a question. I grabbed my phone for anyone who's watching on video. I've got one of these little, I forget what they call them, little discs or tokens or whatever. And you can have these things made and you can wear them around your neck or as a bracelet. I actually have it glued onto the back of my phone case because I'm not a big jewelry guy, but, but it's right there. And I, I feel it and I touch it all the time. And the words that are on there are my value. Because like I told you, that was a huge breakthrough for me to get clearer about my own value, to get through the self-doubts that I had about the value that I bring to the marketplace, to the clients that I work with. And this year, at the beginning of the year, I made a decision actually with the support of a mastermind group that I'm part of. We all created one of these tokens with like a word for the year. And mine was, I cheated a little bit. I had two words, but the words were my value. And my commitment coming into the year was to maintain that clarity and continue to go deeper into that, you know, get more and more connected and stay connected and stay aware of the value that I bring. Because when I do that, it fundamentally changes the conversations that I have with a potential client or just with anyone in my, in my world. If I'm just really clear about the value that I bring, I don't have to be cocky about it. I don't have to be like, you know, Mr. Braggart or anything. But if someone's talking about, you know, their business and a struggle that they're having, I don't want to go into my own head and have a conversation about, wow, I wonder if I could help this person out. Well, what if I, oh, what I would just say, and then now I'm checked out of the conversation. I want to come at that from a place of 100% clarity of the value that I can bring to that person to help them with an issue that's, that's in the realm of what I deal with, if it's people, if it's communication, if it's leadership, if it's, you know, vision and values connected. I want to say, oh, that's exactly the work that I do. Tell me more about that. Maybe I can help you. And, and that comes from being really grounded in my value. And then the interesting thing was, you know, that was the beginning of 2020. That was where I was coming from. 2020 got off to a great start. And I had a really great January and a really great February and everything's rolling. I had clients lined up for March and April. And then wham, you know, March 12th, that was the day for me. I was actually, it was, it was right after I saw you yes. at the New Media Summit, right? I was driving home to Northern California and the whole world was changing. You know, you and I were at one of the last five events for quite some time because if that event had been scheduled one week later, it never would have happened. It couldn't have happened. And at the same time, the, the my value piece changed completely because all of a sudden, like my value, it looked different. You know, it had to be expressed differently, but it still remained important. You know, I didn't, I didn't peel this little disc off the back of my phone because I still feel like my value and staying clear about my value is still the theme for the year. The expression of it and, and my journey around that has changed a lot, but, uh, but that's still my theme. And, and just to be clear, I'm not telling anyone that that should be their theme. Um, the, the opportunity is for anyone who's listening, not really to listen to my answer as much as listen to your question and come up with their own answer to your question. I mean, hopefully my answer gives them a little hint about kind of how it works and, you know, how it can turn out and what, how it can continue to be important when things change and stuff like that. But I'm not telling anyone that their theme should be my theme, but your question is an awesome one. And if we went into every year or every month or whatever, every day with clarity about kind of our theme, our word, 
Like, like what's most important to us? Again, we're going right back into that values conversation. You worded it differently, but you're asking me about my values and what's really important to me. That's, that's what it is. And folks, I hope you're also wondering about yours. And it's making me think, I've always liked the idea of being in a family and I'm not one for TV during meals. I'm not one for cell phones during meals. I'm one for being present you know, with those we love, whether it's friends or family. And wouldn't it be a beautiful practice to incorporate what Robert's talking about and just say, like, what's your word? Whether it's for today, what was your word for today or for this week and something you can embody and put out in the world and become into. It's, and so, if- it's so true. And let me, I just want to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got two things I got to share with you real quick. One is my own children are older. They're 22, 24, and 26 right now. But at the beginning of this year, we had a conversation during the holidays about New Year's resolutions. And we agreed as a family that we we're going to get together the first Sunday of every month on a Zoom call. I have one in Seattle, one in San Diego, one in Washington, DC, and then my wife and I live in Northern California. But we get on a Zoom call with our three kids once a month, and we talk about our goals and our our resolutions and what we want to accomplish. And it's been amazing. Like I was, I didn't, I never wanted to force this stuff on my own kids, but it's just so, so amazing. And then I also had a woman who was in my online course. And at the end of the course, I put out a little challenge. It was a small group. And I put out a challenge to the people who were on our call at the end of the course. And she has six kids. She's living this crazy life with six kids. I think her oldest is like 11 or something. And she was having trouble like getting the important stuff done in her life. And and she agreed to have her children hold her accountable to doing the things that she really wanted to do. And she was resistant, but it was so amazing. Like two weeks later, I talked to her. She goes, this is the best thing I've ever done. She's got her six kids, you know, like her 11-year-old is holding her accountable to some, something really important. And her like three-year-old is holding her accountable to, you know, making sure there's enough milk in the refrigerator or something. I don't know, something not as significant. But sharing these kinds of things with our family our, our children, it's, it's an incredible gift. They say it's not what you tell your kids. It's what they see. Oh, That's yeah. the power, right? So we, oh, can, yeah. we can have all the profundities and all the platitudes, but if we're not living it, it doesn't make sense. And I want to yeah. see the idea, you know, I, I have um, lived with big dreams often in the desire resistance realm. And one of the things that got me out was accountability. Whether I just said to somebody, I'm going to text you every day, I can't stand to show up for something. Like, I'm not that person who's going to show up and go, whoa, whoa, I didn't do anything. That's stupid. Like, it's <laughs> embarrassing. And so I always would, that was like the call that got me going. Like, oh, well, I better, you know, do that research or write that script or, you know, make that PowerPoint, whatever the heck. And golly, it moved me forward. I was so grateful for mm-hmm. the idea of an accountability partner. I've got a friend who's had an accountability partner for eight years. That's wow. how so you could do it this is like a free tool you don't even have to join a group to do it but you get somebody who really like fire to the feet you know what's going on i love you they're not there to school you but they're there to support you and uphold your vision and you them it's an amplifier of everything we've talked about today because those external stresses and pressures that that we talked about are not going away You know, I told you this excellent decisions work started with young people. I look at the stress and pressure our young people are under today and how it just grows and grows. Uh, My wife does college consulting, helping young people decide which college they want to go to and doing their applications and essays and things like that. I listen in on these conversations and the whole process and the stress and pressure, parental pressure and peer pressure and social pressure. (laughs) It's like crazy. And, And that's not going away. 
So if we have someone who's holding us accountable in a loving but, but rigorous way, it, it does create a different level of result because if our commitment is to go to the gym, you know, when we wake up in the morning and the alarm goes off and it's time to go to the gym, there will be 12 other things that we could do instead of go to the gym. And, and the reality is most of us are more likely to get there if we've committed to someone else than if we just committed to ourselves. So it's a very simple mechanism. If you pick that person carefully, someone who you really respect, and like you, you said, you don't want to let them down. You have integrity. You told someone that you would do something and you want to honor your word. Um, so it's a very simple but very powerful dynamic to keep people on track um, and get to where they want to go. Beautiful. We're going to take a very quick break and then we'll have just a few minutes when we come back to wrap up with Robert. And if there's something you want to put out into the world, if it's a book, you already know about the book writing membership at debbie-shinger.com slash visible visionaries. And if you're ready to write a chapter for a dog anthology called the ultimate anthology book for dog lovers go to debbied.net slash anthology you can be a published author and not write an entire book you can become an international best-selling author through this and if you have a story to tell just remember so many industries are right for this book the pet industry canine service dogs vets pet lovers you can write fiction, nonfiction. I'm so excited by who's been coming on board. So if you want to reserve your chapter, go to debbid.net slash anthology. As a reminder, if you're just tuning in, I am interviewing Robert McPhee. He's at excellentdecisions.com. And Robert, here at the end, uh, first of all, this is Dare to Dream. So what are you next, Dare to Dream? What are your future dreams and goals? Wow. You know, we talked about the uncertainty that's ahead of us. And, and I've been in a lot of conversations with people about vision and, and how, how it's more difficult right now to create visions. Um, and I feel really blessed to have been around this work because it's been fairly simple for me to stay clear about my vision. Most of my vision right now involves my business. Um, I'm an empty nester. Um, my wife and I are, are living the dream life in Sonoma, wine country, California. And, and the biggest part of my vision right now is the impact that I want to make in my business. Uh, I've done most of my work for the last 10 years or so has been primarily on my own. And, and my dream really is to build a team and really grow my business so that the impact that I'm having, these kinds of principles that we've been talking about today are reaching a lot more people. So, I mean, it's funny, even as I talk about it, you know, if people are watching the video, you can probably see it on my face. Like, it just energizes me, like the idea. And I love what I do. You know, it's been kind of going back to the comfort zone piece. You know, it's been a comfortable place for me to do this work on my own and have a certain number of, of well-playing clients and people I like to work with. And it's all working and it's good. And, uh, and it's a stretch. It definitely gets me out of my comfort zone to think about being responsible for a team and all that that means. But the real vision, the real dream, what really energizes it for me is the impact of it, the difference that it can make. And, and again, especially at this particular time where there is so much change going on, where we're going into a, a whole new normal, we don't know what that's going to look like. Um, I believe that we don't know, but I, I am really certain that the kind of work that I'm doing, the kind of work that you're doing, is going to be more important than ever. This idea of of making excellent decisions and having clarity about our vision and our values and our value 
I just don't see anything other than how that kind of work can be even more important as we move forward. What an excellent decision I made bringing you on today as my guest. <laughs> I valued our time together. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert, for shining your brilliance on us. I was, I'm really so grateful we did this. Yeah, I'm, got, I'm glad too. It's been way too long and I'm glad we finally had the chance to do it. Yes, more to come, I hope. And I end today's show with this quote from Toko Pa Turner. When you ache to be recognized, allow yourself to be seen. Next week on Dare to Dream and this number one transformation conversation, I have my friend coming back for a third time, Dr. Sue Mortar. Mm. Yeah, if I mean, this is, <laughs> this is the babe. Let me come, back, come back next week too. She's amazing. She is amazing, and she's been on three times. And during this very interesting time, let me tell you, because I had signed up for lots of her workshops. I've been doing the one she offers online. I've been doing her morning yoga every day. I cannot wait because we're going to deep dive. We're not shying away from the really big questions right now. Mama's going there, so come with us. And if you love this podcast and you're getting so much out of it, and also, I recommend you see what we look like. I have had so many listeners write to me and say, I have gone to your YouTube channel and it's like a whole new experience to see you and the guest all animated. And so I offer you youtube.com slash Debbie Dashinger. You can subscribe there and please subscribe to the podcast, to the YouTube channel and leave us a re review. Because when you do that, you allow people who want this level of conversation to find it. I thank you so much for joining us today on Dare to Dream. And remember, as always, the secret of your success is having the courage to begin in this first place. And even right now, even right now, there is a greatness that's calling to you. Step into it. Thanks for joining us today. <laughs>